All right, here you go. So we are now streaming to YouTube. There are several reasons for that. One of them is that I really want to continue upgrading things and I need ad revenue is the honest reason. It's the genuine, honest, transparent reason is we need some money coming in. So the lives bring in a little bit from ad revenue and due to the relatively decent following on YouTube, we'll get people popping in. So we'll get at least a little something because I'd like to be able to upgrade stuff, uh, bring in some new cooler options and uh, possibilities to this whole scenario. The biggest one being I would really like to be able to fund everybody getting a mic because they're not cheap, but it would highly um, it would just make everything sound a heck of a lot better. So that's the honest reason. So we're going to be mindful of what we say. Also, YouTube has updated their TOS around things like COVID and the vaccine and some governmental conspiracy stuff. We're still going to get bogged in the algorithm, but they've loosened things up a little bit on some of the things that I was concerned about when we were discussing those things. So we're streaming to YouTube, recorded directly to my normal YouTube channel, Tattoo Theist, all recordings after the fact, clips and edited video where some of the intro and boring stuff is taken out. Those are all going to youtube.com slash theist thesis. Separate channel, just put it up. Everything will go there so it's isolated and away from my normal content. Please refrain from swearing. If you can, please also do not use any places, names, or descriptive terms in your share because I cannot edit it as we are live streaming. Today's topic is the separation of church and state. So please do your best to keep comments related to this topic as much as possible. Everybody is going to have three to five minutes. I will rudely interrupt you when you have about 30 seconds left so you know it is time to wrap it up. If you continue going for too long, then I'll rudely interrupt you again. So just try to be mindful as you get to the end. Once you've joined the event chat, you guys already did, but you got to go over to the event. I'm sorry. Once you joined the event voice, just click right above event chat. That is the chat that is going to stream. And I believe I have disabled the chat within the voice channel anyway, so you shouldn't be able to use it even if you wanted to. The event chat section is where you can re request to speak with the little emoji thing, or just let us know and somebody will make me aware of it. By requesting to speak, you are giving me permission to stream, record, and repost anything said during the conversation. That might be short, it might be longer content, who knows. The last 10 minutes will be a free-for-all. So if anybody has anything that is not related to what we're talking about, which today is the separation of church and state, the last 10 minutes, you will have the opportunity to say whatever you would like. I know we have one thing already that I'm very excited about that Shannon's lovely husband has for my lovely wife. So I'm very excited about that. Now, without further ado, the separation of church and state. This is a brief history. This was compiled by Prager. So depending on how you feel about Prager, you but it's, it's valid information. You can fact check it. It's all good. So the doctrine of the separation of church and state, most Americans believe that it, it's, the, it's in the United States Constitution. This is like Joe's Miranda rights. That's exactly right. This is me covering my butt. So most Americans believe that the doctrine of the separation of church and state is actually a part of the Constitution. That is not true. There is absolutely nothing in the Constitution about separation between church systems and state or governmental systems. 
And there never was for a very simple reason. The founding fathers never intended for church and state to be completely separate. They saw religions specifically, religions based on the Bible, as indispensable to the moral foundation of the nation they were creating. So where does the phrase come from? It was actually pulled out of a very, very brief letter that Thomas Jefferson wrote to the Danbury Baptist Association in 1802. At the end of a very, very long sentence in which Jefferson affirms his conviction that religious beliefs should be a private matter and that the government should not interfere with such matters. So pay attention to that. What is the order of operations? Religion is a private matter and that the government should not interfere with it. It is not the other way around. It's that government should not interfere with church. He uses the phrase building a wall of separation between church and state. And that's where the phrase lived, undisturbed, lost in Jefferson's voluminous correspondence for almost 150 years. But more on that in a moment. First, let's discuss what the Constitution actually does say about religion and its role in public life. The answer is found in the First Amendment to the Constitution. Quote, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. It's plain what those words mean. The federal government could not establish a national religion, the common practice in Europe. The United States was going to be different. Americans would be free to follow the religion of their choice. That was the entire intention behind it. The religion of their choice. When James Madison first proposed what eventually became the First Amendment, he originally wording, his original wording was that, quote, no religion shall be established, end quote, by Congress. But that language was later modified, shocking, after it was pointed out that this might be taken to mean that the government, including the state government, had no interest in religion at all. But the founders did not want that. As George Washington said in his farewell address, religion and morality are indispensable. Support of our political prosperity. They support our political prosperity. Religion and morality are indispensable. Let that sink in. Because as that separation has become something it was not originally intended to be, morality is something that we have lost. Washington's views remain the nation's view throughout the 19th century and into the 20th century. But that changed in 1947. In that year, in the case of Everson versus Board of Education, the Supreme Court ruled in a five to four decision that under the First Amendment, neither a state nor the federal government could pass laws which aid one religion, aid all religions, or prefer one religion over another. For the first time in American history, the First Amendment was not only about the prohibition of establishing a national religion, it was also about not giving any encouragement to any religion. The modern strict separation view was born at that time. And where did the five justices look for support for their argument? Not the Constitution, because there was nothing in the Constitution to help them. But they decided to go to that one little phrase at the end of an extremely long rant by Thomas Jefferson that was written again in 1802. Kind of ironic. Very ironic that the author of the Declaration of Independence, which recognizes the proposition that human beings have inalienable rights from their creator, that is a quote, creator, 
and not from the government, was now being used to separate religion from the public square. So what was originally intended to essentially protect the church from government interference had been flipped and was now being used to separate religion from the public square. For Jefferson and the other founders, religion was central to the entire American project. And if you know anything about American history, you're extremely aware of that fact. The Declaration of Independence and the Constitution are just two countless examples where the government acknowledges its debt to God. As the famously liberal Supreme Court Justice William O. Douglas wrote on the in the case of Zorick versus Clausen, just five years after the Everson decision, quote, we are a religious people whose institutions presuppose a supreme being or God, end quote. The founders would certainly have agreed. Following Everson, the nation's moral infrastructure began to crack, at first slowly and then more rapidly. In 1962, the Supreme Court struck another blow. It ruled in Engel versus Vital that a generic school prayer, oh, wait till you hear this, this is going to piss you off. A generic school prayer violated the court's new definition of the First Amendment, which again was edited and changed based off one sentence off of a very tiny little thing that Thomas Jefferson wrote. The prayer was this Almighty God, we acknowledge our dependence upon thee. And we beg thy blessings upon us, our parents, our teachers, and our country. Amen. Period. End quote. How horribly, horribly offensive. The prayer was not specific to Christianity, even. It was just to God. It was not specific to any other religion, either. It was just to God. To bless ourselves, our parents, our teachers, and our country. How sick. How sick. So, since then, the separation of church and state, the metaphor has been used to remove God and religion piece by piece from American public life and culture. Are we a better society today for it? It's hard to read that. Are we a better society? It's hard to argue that we are not a better society for it. Almost every cultural and ethical indicator of marriage rates, birth rates, the number of Americans giving to charity have dramatically declined since God and religion have faded from American life and culture. Meanwhile, I'm done right after this. Hang tight. Meanwhile, children without fathers, behavioral problems in school, and crime have gone up dramatically since that change. And all because of one vote in one court case, ba case based on one sentence at the end of a, a run-on sentence by Thomas Jefferson in 1802. Done. So there, there is a brief history of where, where this all started, where the separation began, why it started. So the, the key things to understand is that the separation between church and state was intended to protect the church from governmental meddling. It was not meant to protect the public square or protect the government from religious ideals or ideology. This country was founded on and by people who had religious ideals and ideologies. I don't, I don't feel like most people argue that because it's all throughout our American history. It's in all sorts of documentation. It's trying to be suppressed at the time, for sure. But it's, it's, it's very much recorded. It's very hard to deny. 
So we're taking something that has nothing to do with the Constitution. It had nothing to do with the key founders of the country. It's actually antithetical to what the key founders believed and wanted for the country, what the country was built and founded on. And now it's twisted very slowly over time into basically a loophole to remove as much religiosity out of American culture and out of the public square as humanly possible. Boom. All right. Anybody have anything to add or have a question? It's fairly, uh, it's fairly straightforward though, but I, I don't, while you guys decide who's going to come in here first, I don't think there's, I don't think there's any way to deny that as that shift came into effect, we did lose morality could be because again, like we've talked about a million times, it's really hard to create a moral framework within something that is subjective in nature. So if society is deciding what is right and wrong, if morality is the subjective fluid thing, then we get culture like we have now. We, we, we don't even know what words mean right now. So how do we have, how do we have a coherent, cohesive society in terms of moral values and standards? You don't. You have this very fluid, always changing, never secure, never stable concept of what reality is. Jeremiah, I got you. All right, you're unmuted on my end. I think you'll have to unmute yourself on your end. You in. Are you, I guess with the Middle East and with King James, would you, would you say that the way that they're running the society is actually cohesive with their religious beliefs? I'd say either, because in my opinion, it's the same answer. But you can take it, you know, wherever you want. And um, so I know King James skipped over a lot of things. And I know with the Middle Eastern countries, um, a lot of them like to go to the extreme, we'll say. We'll say certain countries go to the extreme on yeah. how they treat some of their, uh, some of their uh, citizens. And there's definitely a lot of human rights violations happening there. So let me, you know? let me ask you this. So the whole, I guess the Quran... And the, the Muslim, because I assume that's what you're referring to, uh, yeah. and, and what Muslims believe, if you, if you actually read it, similar to Christians, if you actually read it, it's it's fairly tame. What, what they believe is, re it's actually very, very close to Christians, theologically, not so much. 
but in terms of morals, values. So in the in the context of running a country based on these values and these morals and things like that, if you ran a country solely based on what the Bible says, not how Christians interpret it, it you'd have a pretty a pretty decent society. You'd have people treating each other fairly well. There are caveats, of course. There there are things that you'd have some issues with. But the same would go for the Quran. The the problem with the Middle East in my opinion is that in no way are they behaving as if they're they're functioning off of the Quran. And the same with King James. He 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 didn't function off the Bible. He wrote an entirely new Bible. He added unicorns, he changed the meaning of all sorts of things. And then Yeah. You, you, do you get what I'm saying though? So like if they no, I, if they stuck to the original text and then implemented those just values and morals into society, do you still think that would be a negative thing? Do I still think that'd be a negative thing? Hmm. Without the twisting. So without King James doing his thing, because he made it his way. And then yeah. same with Muslims taking uh, the Quran and then adding things and changing things and saying, oh, we're going to ignore that. We want to do this instead. We're going to marry young girls. That's not in the Quran. You're, you're supposed yeah. to be of legal adult age, even in Muslim oh, no, culture. I, I, I definitely, I definitely you know, know uh, you know, as a Jew are, you know, the Arabs, that family all stems back from Abraham. That's our big brother. Yeah. You know, at some point, you know, in the beginning, they were called to be our protectors because a big brother is supposed to protect his little brother. And at somewhere along the line, that got twisted. Yeah, exactly. So, so and, if we got uh, to the basics, you, would you have but, a different belief? Would I have a different belief of the basics? Say say in um, school, because that was your example. Yeah, um, I'm not too sure if I would have a different opinion on it, just That's because fair. I don't believe that any religion should, um, I guess, be the affecting, I, I guess, should influence anybody's decisions or children. Because, you know, if... You know, I, I know that some people are going to have some issues with Christianity being pushed on their kids if they're Muslim or Hindu or, you know, whatever that whatever whoever whatever supreme architect of the universe they decide to pray to. Um, I just think that religion is a very private matter, but I do believe that, you know, America is moral. Um, we're losing our morals, and uh, every day we stray further away from God or whoever everybody prays to. Yeah, for I mean, for sure. For yeah, sure. every day, every day we stray further away from God, and you know, I don't know how to solve that. I don't, but I just believe that with the rising levels of people's lacter of belief in God, I think that that definitely kind of just destroys the moral fabrication of people. So that that's the tricky part, then, man. So so say. Because I, I agree with you on the spiritual end of it, that I don't believe spiritual ideals or theological ideals should have anything to do with people who don't believe that. But so so say we just take the morals and the values, take Yahweh out of it, take Muhammad out of it, take the Hindu gods out of it, just the moral framework and implemented that into society. So no no specific God names like that that prayer in the school that got shut down. It was almighty yeah. God. God God applies to any and every religion until you specify yeah. who the God is, right? Exactly. I mean, as a, as a Freemason, um, a lot of biblical text is used for certain ceremonies. But at the end of the day, all the prayers are kind of generic in that sense of, you know, God or the supreme architect of the universe, you know? Yeah. Essentially using a very generic 
thing because, you know, we don't discriminate against any man's religion in the fraternity. So therefore we don't, that's the way we kind I kind of look at the world is I don't discriminate against who somebody prays to at the end of the day. We all got to believe in something, right? Yeah. And for people who believe in nothing, Hey, mm-hmm. I don't know how you do it. To me, it takes, it takes more faith to believe in nothing than it does to believe in a little something. For sure. For and, sure. uh, that's, yeah, that's sort of my thought is I don't, I don't view others as less and I don't view my religion as more important than someone else's religion. But at the end of the day, unless you're paying for, I feel at least in, I, I, I feel at least in some for, if you're paying for a private education and you prefer it to have a religious concept to it, then by all means, you know, that's a private organization. Then how do we structure morality? How do we structure morality? I believe that morality, that stuff comes from home. What do you mean? I by mean, that? America, then America's how, I guess, family, how do we have that? How do we have a America's union of morality then? I, I, that's the million dollar question. I don't know. It's hard. I I don't know because I mean the moral, what is it? The, the American family is slowly but surely evaporating. And why do you think that is the God thing? What? Uh, I think that due to a lack of morals, you have a lot of people who don't want to accept responsibilities. I think a lot of people just, you know, it's a lot easier to just dip out, and throw a little money in child support to the parent that decides to stick around. Yeah. You know, I mean, it happens all the times, you know, mothers and fathers will abandon their kids with either their parents or their, you know, their, you know, their child's parent, the other one, and they'll just dip out and they'll throw, I mean, you see it all the time. And, and you how have, do you, you stop know, that? Honestly, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I think a lot of that comes from a lot of, a lot of the morals that you follow has to come from the household. You got to be able to see things like that, or you have to be able to want things like that. I mean, but that's a problem of the household. No, that is a problem of the household. I mean, you have kids, you have more kids more often than not coming from broken homes. Yeah. And, uh, I don't necessarily think that somebody's, uh, I don't think that that's a problem. The state needs to solve either. I think the state's done more than enough damage. I mean, I 100% agree with that. Yeah, but... I think the state's done more than enough damage. I think the state needs to kind of stay out of this. I think the, uh, I think that there needs to be just. Be, I, I don't know how to get morales into people, honestly. That's the that's a hard thing because I I agree with you to a point that it's a family issue, but a lot of the problems we're seeing stem from the family itself, which indicates that the family doesn't have it down. So then the more the morality itself has to stem outside the family because if it. If it originates and then perpetuates from family, then all we've done so far is proven that that doesn't work because the most of these issues, especially the ones that you brought up, which I completely agree with, they they originate from the parents, from the family. And then maybe before that, from the grandparents, when the parents were kids. But those are systemic family issues of morality. Yeah. And from things that I've seen, uh, there are. There are some in small amounts, but there are certain communal project, uh, support, certain communal things where, you know, people do help. I mean, it does take a village to raise a kid, and you know, there there are outreach to the youth programs. There are all kinds of things, uh, you know, ways to try to keep kids off the streets, you know, because kids that come from messed up situations usually wind up in streets, and the streets ain't got a retirement plan. You know, yeah, you don't get to do, you don't get to run the streets for thirty years and retire with a pension. It's true. You know, so I don't, I I don't know how to, 
increase morales but i know that i believe that that that's where the community comes into play i mean it, it happened it happened in dallas where uh there was specifically a school program in the city of dallas where um you know it, this was a program created for kids that didn't have fathers in the home and it was like um it was a volunteer program called breakfast with dad where you know they would just have dads who are volunteering to sit down and communicate and have breakfast with these kids and try to mentor them a little bit uh, they put out an ad that they needed, I think, four or five dads, and they got over 50 applications, and over 50 extra dads showed up than necessary. That's awesome. Yeah, dads from all walks of life, older, Hisp- you know, old, young, Hispanic, white, black, military, construction workers, police officers, like people, like everybody was there just to try to influence the youth in their city. That's I think cool. that when when things like that happen, I think that. I think there should be a bigger, more charitable thing from the community. I think the community should want to fix itself. I think that's where, I think that's how certain problems get solved is that a bunch is that the community has to get tired of it and the community has to come together. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. You got to, you got to rebuild your own cities and you got to rebuild your own, you know, you got to take your country back. You can't just let somebody tell you what's happening. If you see something, if you see something, you got to do it yourself. And, um, I don't have any ideas yet on how to do something like that, but <laughs> hopefully, hopefully I can get some, some kind of idea. I know that, you know, a lot of my brothers do charity for the youth. A lot of my brothers do charity for hospitals and things like that. So I'll see what kind of other, I, I don't know. I might want to dabble into whatever charities that involve trying to fix the youth or trying to reach out to the youth or help uh, other families in need and things like that. Yeah. I mean, it's much needed. It's much needed. Hundred percent. For sure. All right, man. You 100%. got anything else? Uh, offhand, no, I do not. All right, let me know. Bring it back. All right, he's out. Anybody else want in? Let me know. You couple guys on YouTube, uh, if you click that link I put in the chat to the Discord, you can jump in the voice, and then you can get on here too. So I, I, I agree with Jeremiah a lot. Um, I actually like entirely on all of it, but all of it still. It stems around this issue of external morality. So the the fathers who did the good thing, they they do that because they have a good moral foundation. Where do they get the moral foundation from? That's what we have to figure out. Where where does that morality come from? Because it, it if the fam, if it comes from the family, it's failed because we've seen family just completely completely fail. Fatherless homes are at an all time high. Mothers raising children by themselves at an all time high. Parents not wanting to have kids at all at an all-time high, we have massive moral failure within the family structure itself. So that can't be the source of morality. If if the morality is good, then the family is a great source of morality. And then if you have a bunch of families, you know, in, in geographically close areas, then they can build out community in that morality, which leads to things like he was talking about with the, the guys group with the kids who were, who were providing father figures to kids who didn't have fathers. But it, it all stems back to this problem is where does morality start? And if not our country, which was founded upon Christian moral standards, which have failed, therefore we've seen everything else fail due to that, we have to get back to the Christian moral standards. And then how you interpret that or how you integrate that with the church, or I'm sorry, with the country 
is is kind of the complex part of it. Most of us Christians or most religious people, Drew, I'll bring you in in just a second. Most religious people, they they get their morals from their religion. And the whole thing I, I was trying to kind of hint at was that we can have a country built on religious moral values without the without the theology so that people who don't subscribe to our specific religion still function off of a strict objective moral framework where murder is wrong uh essay is wrong sexual abuse is wrong you know we have all these things boom 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 they're wrong that never changes you always go to jail for it society will never be okay with it what we're experiencing right now is the complete collapse of agreed upon morality and so what we're seeing is who who goes to jail you, a lot of time, not the right people. And a lot of time, the people who should be in jail for a long time have very short sentences, people with essay crimes, things like that. We have no cohesive moral framework. It's all over the place. It's changing day to day. It's changing state to state. Depending on what state you're in, certain things are crimes that used to be crimes everywhere. They used to be federal crimes. So because of the morality dropping from religiosity, at least as a framework for morals, everything has gone to absolute crap. So even if we got back to a moral framework built off of the Bible, but didn't shove the theology down everybody's throat, Yahweh, Jesus, you know, the Apostle Paul, none of that, just God. God is a standard term for Hindu gods, pagan gods, uh, Muslim gods, you, all of them can be defined within that. So that that prayer we read in the beginning that, it, that happened in the school, Almighty God, we acknowledge our dependence upon you. And we beg you blessings upon us, our parents, our teachers, and our country. Nothing about Jesus in that, just about God. Because from God, we have a moral framework that doesn't change depending on how we feel, that doesn't change depending on laws that are passed. It's solid. It's static. Drew, I'm going to bring you in in just one second. Jesse on YouTube said, it seems like no one in society wants to take time to self-reflect on how they act. Prayer or meditation forces you to self-reflect, which I completely agree with. Matt said, as long as there is Christians in government, you're never going to have a separation of church and state. They will make godly Christian decisions. His name just isn't used like Mr. Rogers. Mr. Rogers was a Christian and portrayed Christian values without using Jesus's name. Boom, which is exactly what I'm talking about. We can still have this structured moral framework without shoving the religious part down people's throats, because then at least we have something objective that doesn't change with culture. Drew, you are unmuted on my end. All right. Uh, that's kind of what I was going to say. I, I'm kind of with uh, Gergir on that one. With the, I don't mind the separation of church and state for like schools and, and certain, I guess, public or things that are state run or whatever, just because I know we started as, Pretty much, we started as a you know Christian nation. We were built you know like under God or, or one God. You know, some religions have multiple, so it's pretty clear that they're probably talking about you know Christ, Christ, the Christian God. Um, but I know we we were created and we wanted immigrants to come and all of that, and so I'm okay with having the separation. But like you just said, uh, keep the morals would be good and the laws to be good and. Um, I feel like one way we went wrong 
is, you know, this, they say if you don't stand for something, you fall for everything. Well, you know, after the wars were over and after everything calms down, it's like there's no problem anymore. There's no common. So people always, to get into political power, there's always got to be, you got to solve a problem for somebody to get elected. Um, a good example is probably like how marijuana became illegal at the time. The DEA was new and this guy was a bit of losing election. So he came out with this big push for, hey, marijuana is bad. And he got reelected. You always got to have a problem. And I think once we got so far along and technologically advanced to where, you know, information's traveling around like crazy and everybody has air conditioning and like there's no, well, there's wars going on, I guess. But uh-huh. I think we just kind of got to a point of there weren't as many problems. And so then I think also um, the welfare, welfare state did not help, like you said, fathers. Um, and once again, that was kind of created because to get votes, to get elected, it was somebody was saying, hey, there's a problem here. I have this to solve it. And I don't know. I feel like it's been a bunch of decisions like that and um, slowly picking away at, you know, the the morals from the Bible and things like that. I think it, I don't know, like I said, I feel like this is a very complex, long um <laughs> answer that has so many things coming into play but uh yeah i don't know like i said i'm better at bouncing off other people's ideas than i am spouting out my own my brain's all over the place but all right, then then hang but, out hang out bounce off this thing. Okay, okay. so so take something like the ten commandments you have the first four are very religiously based, right? You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make idols. You shall not take the Lord your God's name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Take those out. Five, honor your mother and your father. In any culture, in any society, that's that should be, in my opinion, I feel like that could be or should be a an objective moral value that would be good for any society, right? Agreed. Okay, six, you shall not murder. Objectively good? Agreed. Cool. Seven, you shall not commit adultery. Objectively good. Eight, you shall not steal. Nine, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And ten, you shall not covet. Jealousy. Jealousy has led to, jealousy in relationships leads to a a statistically alarming number of murders. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of, that's like the point that I'm getting at is I don't believe, and I've always said, Christian things should not be considered when making laws because like uh, Jeremiah said, not everybody's Christian and no part of me thinks that that is okay. But Christian moral values align with most religions, moral values and they're objective. So they they can't be changed on a whim because we feel like it or because, because culture changed or because something like it, they stay the same. What, what was bad thousands of years ago, still bad now. Because in any society, no matter how you bend it, it leads to negative effects on the people and on the societal system. So I think even if we just took those without the actual, the actual theology of the religion and implemented these things, it would lead to a more cohesive and sound culture. You know what I mean? I agree. I feel like um, I feel like that would be great if people thought logically like we did. 
Um, I just, you're always going to have those people that kind of like with abortion, people take the extreme cases to, for the whole thing. You're going to yeah. have yeah. some people say, well, I don't have parents. So the father thing doesn't apply to me. And then you'll have some people saying, you know, I don't, I'm not Christian. So the 10th commandment shouldn't matter to me. And then, you know, you'll end up getting a community will elect a politician that'll take certain ones out and then it'll change in that area. So that's kind of what's happening now. It's certain things are changing in one area and then it changes all over and then eventually it becomes a majority and things really start changing. And I think it just, it's a domino effect that you're always going to have people nitpick at the the laws and say they're unfair or they're unjust or too many of these people are in jail. So we need to stop criminalizing that. And I think that that's a big thing of how, the morals get thrown out the window when, you know, they say the prisons are overrun, so they stop prosecuting certain crimes. Well, now those things are seen as okay, pretty yeah, much. Yeah. yeah. So it's just... Uh, and it goes down hard. And the, the other kind of interesting bit of it is it's it's also, to a degree, kind of impossible to keep religious view, any religious views out of Congress and Senate and presidency because people who run for these offices who are Christian or are a Muslim or are Hindu, whatever, they're going to do their duties in lawmaking or in voting or in you know, any kind of um, a- any kind of governmental work, really, from that perspective, right? So, and people who, the reason they get into those offices is because they campaign to people who also agree with those perspectives. So people in Senate and Congress and President who are Christian they get there primarily because of Christians voting for them. They campaign on their Christianity that I, I believe these things. I am a Christian, even Biden, who's the furthest thing from a Catholic. He praises Catholic Nancy Pelosi. I'm a practicing Catholic. No, you were kicked out of a Catholic church. Actually, these, the, they still, they campaign off these things so that they get their votes from those parts of society with the understanding, the unspoken and sometimes spoken understanding that vote me in for these things and I will implement the things that we agree upon from our religion into the office. So, I mean, no matter what, you can't really avoid it. No, yeah, power, like I said, every, everything comes out of that. And people like Ilhan Omar, she's from what, Somalia? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if she if she were to go home, I mean, you know, she's all for the LGBTQ, all that stuff. No, mm-hmm. they, I mean, they throw people like that off the buildings. Yes. And, you yes. know, stuff like that over there and so i mean she i feel like when she was in somalia and whatnot she was probably uh you know i'd love to get to america it's awesome place and then she gets here and it's like well i got that and what could be better i don't know that may not be it but i mean she lives in what minneapolis or minnesota or somewhere up there that's you know pretty liberal and you know to get elected she's got to go along with the lgbtq stuff or she's gonna she's gonna be out of a job so exactly which which is at the same time, it's abandoning your, at least your, what you say your morals are. Letting all that go once you get in office to, uh, to pander to whatever culture is pushing. And that's, that's, I mean, that's part of the problem is if culture was based on objectivity rather than subjectivity, then things would stay relatively static even over hundreds of years. It's like, a lot of the things we're fighting for today, like people being imprisoned for SEX crimes and things like that, they were talking about that thousands of years ago. 
And then there were periods where they'd be put to death right away. There were periods where they'd be imprisoned for extended periods of time. And there were periods where they let them do whatever they wanted. But if, if from the beginning of time, even just five through 10 of the 10 commandments, which have nothing to do with religion whatsoever, were upheld and never picked at subjectively based on how people feel, then our, our criminal justice system for hundreds or thousands of years would stay relatively static. Maybe how we deal with them would change slightly, but taking things just completely off the list, like you mentioned, like stealing, now there are all these states, these blue states primarily, where you can steal up to $996 or whatever without a problem. And now you have these thousands of videos of teenagers and adults running into stores and taking all the crap. You go to CVS in Chicago, where I live, you have socks and and shampoo behind a plexiglass case. That's wild. That's wild. And that was never like that. So it's it's such a great proof of we've we've lost we've lost it. We have to lock socks up so that people don't steal them because as a society, we no longer agree that stealing is immoral and it's something you shouldn't do. And I feel like a lax in our laws led to more criminality because yes. of the criminal justice system, which I do have a useless degree in, um, it is broken. <laughs> but the, the worst thing, though, is 99% of cases in a plea deal, not many people go to trial. Yeah. So you... And it's still backed up. Like, you know, if you commit a crime, you know, you, you'll wait for a court date forever. People don't want to do that. So they take a plea deal and then they usually lower the sentence because when you take a plea, you got to make a deal. So they yep. lower your things. I mean, it just, the system's so backed up, which I don't know what you do about that. Cause like you said, we need to send these people to jail that commit crimes so that other people see that, hey, if I do that, I'll go to jail. But then it's so overcrowded and, plea deals and then get kicked back out and uh i don't this is why we need joe 2024 haha <laughs> nah i want uh vivek let's bring vivek in vivek ramaswamy yeah he's he's solid man at least everything i've heard i've been super super impressed with him i want i want to say trump just because i think he's really going to clean house i think he's just going to come he's going to bring back the old uh the old you're fired days in real time and abolish the FBI, abolish the CIA, just completely wipe it out, which I would love to see. But I think Vivek, that dude's got a really good head on his shoulders. But not I, sir. Not I. I will watch. Politics, that sounds so awful. These people are going to politics. Like, I, I pray for them. Because I, I just couldn't even imagine dealing with that. How awful. Yeah, it's... I know Trump isn't the greatest moral guy, but the one no. thing the one thing I kind of liked about him was nobody owns him. Like he he has money, so it's not like some group can come up and say, "Hey, if you give me this government contract, I'll give you exactly. X amount of dollars." Exactly. He doesn't care about that. So yeah. I mean, he, I mean, you already know the you know the, a lot of the Bidens, you know, they're, they're going through some <laughs> stuff right now with money and yeah, blah blah blah. So I mean, I. Uh, I don't know. I feel like I'm getting off topic now, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's a, yeah, I don't, we won't get into it, but no, I want to make one comment and then we can move on. That's one of, that's one of people's worries about um, DeSantis, who I'm a huge, huge fan of. He's done phenomenal in Florida, just fabulous. But people are worried because he doesn't come from massive money. 
he's not super wealthy. So people are concerned that if he were to get the presidency, he could potentially be bought. Like that is one of the reasons that I really do like Trump is because, yeah, you can't buy that dude. He doesn't he doesn't care. He's all set, all set. He's going to do whatever the hell he feels like and whatever he thinks is right, which, yeah, I don't, I don't agree is always right for sure. Uh, but he definitely did some good stuff. It's hard to deny that he got some stuff done at the very least. But it's a scary game, man. 2024 is going to be a very scary game. Without a doubt. Yeah. Uh, last last thing I got um, yeah. is I, like, I think we need to leave it to each individual state because, like, the United States started its up melting pot, as people say, so therefore it's different. And say it's a true melting pot, and there's, you know, you're, the people you want to live around, your ethnic whatever is spread around the country. Give it 100, 200 years, whatever you're slowly going to live around each other or there's going to be a big population in one area. So when people move here, you know, they're going to go to Houston or they're going to go to wherever. So certain parts of the, the United States are going to be different than the other. So leave it, I say, leave it to the States. Federal government isn't there to make a bunch of laws to for blanket things to make everybody conform. And, you know, eventually like a lot of people left California and New York and went to Florida because, you know, that's where they want to go. I just leave it like that. I don't see what the bad thing is about just letting people be and people will move and make decisions about their life and family. And I don't know. I don't feel that's so bad. Do you think that's sustainable over time? Cause like a huge part of me agrees. And especially since COVID I've been kind of on that train, but I guess within what we're talking about with things like morals and values that God, I just, I feel like it's so complicated. So like people who are stuck in a state for whatever reason, whether it's a good reason or an excuse or whatever, like, uh, do do you see that that might backfire and that you might, I mean, what, what will America be? I guess like if each state all, we have so many States, if each state, goes just absolutely wild. I mean, it's what we're seeing right now, and it's kind of a problem, in my opinion. We're like, in Colorado, you can abort a baby at nine months. Like a baby that could absolutely survive outside of the womb, you're allowed to abort that baby legally. Whereas in other states, you know, it's very restrictive. Yeah, I'll say keep, like you said, keep the commandments five through 10 blanket for everybody. And you can still make federal law. But I mean, I... I mean, I see something personally wrong with that, but I mean, if that many people elected those people that make those laws there, then apparently they like it. So maybe the the people that live where I live will move to Colorado. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I mean, I see something wrong with it, yes, but I feel like they're free to vote however they want, and I say let let them be. I mean, it's kind of a not... I don't know. I've always said, I say we just let the one party have 50% of America, the other party have the other 50% and then can't help each other out. Just, just have one big migration of move to your side and I'll leave each other alone. There'd be war, man. There would be war. Cause you, you'd have split (laughs) families with the kid in one state and one of the parents in the other state. And that parent would trans the kid. (laughs) And then the parent on the other side would, get the government involved like i just oh man it'd be, it'd be super messy i wish that could happen i think about that a lot it's like just make certain states red and blue and have everybody move to those states it's it's just very it's 
it's very much wishful thinking, I guess I feel like. It'd be really hard to actually implement. But yeah, I think it worked it worked better. Worked. It worked better. Last last question and then Kat says she's got something. Or I guess she said I can prompt her. Um do you think so so I guess just based on what you're kind of saying, do you think that morality then shouldn't be objective? Because you on one hand you did say like keep five through ten of the commandments and then let them pick everything else. Do you so do you think those commandments should I guess more broadly, do you think objective morality with things like murder and essay and child stuff and things like that, do you think those, let's say worldwide, should just be standard? Like morality is morality. And then the more intricate things each state or each country kind of figures out on their own. Or do you think every functioning government, whether it's state or country or whatever province, that they all kind of decide their own morality? I think it'd be great to, to have blanket morality, but I mean, I'd never, I'd never see that happen. But I, I mean, I'm more of a strict person. I, I feel like maybe like you are. I'm I'm all about the you know if you steal something, chop off your hand. Like I'm good with that. Like yeah. I feel like we should we should go with that. Like I mean, I, I'm throw the book at them. I mean, I I don't know. I mean, to when they're old enough, not like a you know 14 year old <laughs> kid, yeah. but or something like that, but. I don't know. I'm I'm brutal when it comes to the, you know. I want them to at least serve a little time, or you know, got to be some kind of punishment, or people, other people just, yeah. I don't know. But yes, I, I feel like I'd love it if everybody had the same morality, but if not, I feel like it. I wouldn't care as much. Well, right now, if we had a true country with like you people that came here had to come here, you know, and we knew who you were. Um, and I'm not just talking about the southern border. I mean, if um, if all of a sudden, you know, the big Russia, 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 so if a bunch of say a bunch of Russian hackers were coming through the southern border and they were going to rig the next election, they'd throw a wall up so quick. Yeah. Like I, I just, I just feel like, you know, because people that would leave those other countries of different morals, if they came here, they would know, hey, we have these set of morals, and I don't know. No, no, I, no I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Okay. All right. You got anything else? Uh, I don't. Let's let Cat mumble through some stuff. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. All right, Cat. I'm going to unmute you from my end. You got to unmute yourself. Um, Gargar actually had his paw up first, so he should go first. Oh, he did? Okay. All right. Bye, Cat. All right, Jeremiah, you're unmuted on my. There you go. Okay, no, I, I just want to throw one comment out there for Mr. Uh, Mr. Drew. Uh, as somebody who got convicted of a DUI back in 2019, uh, I, I was thankful enough not to go to jail. And um, you know, sometimes I don't think jail or throwing the book at somebody is necessarily the right answer. At least in my, at least. For I think, me, it wasn't. I think you misunderstood him. He He's more, and Drew can correct me if I'm wrong, but he's more referring to things like things against children, things against oh, women, yeah, no. SA crimes, stuff like that. Drew, Drew oh, yeah, is, no, but, I, uh, I doubt Drew would ever support putting someone in jail for an extended period for a DUI. I mean, that that at least in Virginia carries a 12-month sentence. On the first one or on like the third? On the first. That's That's pretty wild. That's pretty wild. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you don't hurt uh, Virginia, anybody. Yeah, no, trust me. I got arrested on base. Like, I drove, like, a couple miles from the bar 
and I got to the front gate of the base and that's where I got stopped. Yeah. But it's just one of those things where, um, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't, I was fortunate enough not to get locked up because it was an isolated incident that happened on the base. Yeah. But still though, it was, uh, you know, double the legal limit and, uh, by all means in the state of Virginia, that's grounds for, uh, spending 12 months in jail for your first DUI. And, uh, yeah, this state's medieval. They do not care about you. Yeah, I mean that's that's tough. But at the same time, you also kind of have to keep in mind like there are, there are people who have driven drunk their first time and they've killed someone. So I mean like yeah, as a deterrent, I mean it is good, but if you if you don't kill someone and it's your first, like yeah, maybe give them a short amount of time or maybe give them a shot if it's if they have no other criminal record. Like there's a there's things you got to look at, but I mean oh, yeah, cra- no, crazy I stuff wa- has happened. I, yeah, no. So I just I just wound up getting a, well, Texas didn't come after me, but I wound up getting my light, uh, my driving privileges revoked in the state of Virginia oh, yeah. and then COVID happened. So, I mean, I was really on lockdown, lockdown. Yeah. That's, that's tough, dude. Yeah. So, you know, at least I didn't miss out much. Yeah. I mean, that's good for sure. Could yeah. have been a lot worse. Oh yeah. hundred percent. But, uh, anyhow, uh, I'm going to go ahead and mute myself now. Beautiful. Sounds good. Thanks. And- all right, uh, real quick, Cap, before I bring you on, I forgot. I uh, So I, I've got some things here I'm going to read. Uh, one person on this topic of whether Christian views or Christian politicians should be able to implement religious ideals or ideologies into the political sphere, lawmaking, things like that, legislation. One person said, religion should not be used in viewpoints of state officials, period, which is not possible. It's not realistic. Somebody else said Catholic here. Please don't take my religion as law because I chose my beliefs. Those who have not chosen them should not be beholden to them, which which, again, as we've kind of talked about, I agree with. I I don't think Christian beliefs should be pushed into the public sphere. I don't believe Christian beliefs or any religious beliefs should be pushed into law. I do believe objective morals should be because most religions have at least a a decent agreement on what moral framework is murder essay uh cheating lying stealing that goes almost across every every mainstream religious ideal so if we implemented just the moral framework i don't think there's a problem with that if you implement the religiosity of it, that's a problem. And then somebody else said this, and this was kind of a lot. So they said separation of church and state should be taken for what it literally says. Separation. Pausing there because Mystic is here now, and so she missed the entire preamble. The separation of church and state was not implemented or about separating religion from government. It was created to separate government to keep government out of religion so to make something like during covid which ruined the church to make it impossible and illegal for the government to tell churches what they can do and what they can't do that's what the separation was originally intended to be that's why it began that's what thomas jefferson was talking about so the person here already has the skewed belief which most people do that Separation of church and state is meant to separate the church from government, from public sphere, and protect the government and the public 
from church ideals. That's not what it was. So it literally says separation. You can have your own beliefs, but our bills and policies should not be that which reflect, should only be, excuse me, should only be that which reflect the Constitution. Please also remember the Constitution was written primarily by Christians and from a Christian moral framework and by people who were creating a Christian country. This was not just something put in writing to skip over and not be taken seriously. Again, remember, it's not in the Constitution. So it's very clear that most people in public have no idea what they're talking about. Separation of church and state is not in the Constitution. It is not. So skip over not to be taken seriously. That's why judges, lawmakers, those in powerful positions should not be under any persuasion of either party, of either party, religion, or the like. That is absolutely impossible. That is not, it's not at all possible to do that in government. To be entrusted to serve the people, one must come to the table of decision-making only with strict neutrality, not possible, and leave their baggage and personal beliefs at the door. That's absolutely ridiculous. Human beings cannot function in any environment without their biases. It's not possible. You can see both ends. You can be as neutral as, as you can be. But it is not possible for a politician or anyone in the Senate or Congress or whatever to be completely unbiased. For judges to be completely unbiased, it's not real. To be in that is what makes our democratic experiment so unique. It's what allows inclusion of all people and of all walks of life and gives us the ability to progress into a forward-thinking society. Next person says the laws should be based on the needs of the people, not based on religion. I do agree with that. Separation of church and state should be firmly adhered to. Again, though, separation of church and state was intended to keep the government out of the church, not vice versa. Okay, Kat. Kat, are you still ready? We're sick. Of, oh, Mystic, did you want in? Did I miss you? Did you talk about modern churches getting politically involved with the congregants and telling them to vote a certain way, but then not having to pay taxes? I feel like that correlates with that. No, we have not, but we definitely can. <laughs> okay, I'll bring Kat in and then Mystic, I'll, I'll bring up what you just said. Kat, you are unmuted. Hi. Hi. Hit me. Okay, so take you, taking it back to the beginning where, where Jeremiah and I were kind of talking, you have, he brought up this, this idea that morality should start or that it does start with the family that it starts within the nuclear, I, I guess I'm adding this, but within the nuclear family and that morality begins there. Do, do you think that's a system that could work or do you feel like that's a system we kind of saw tried and fell? I mean, I think it could work, absolutely, but there's so much separation and disagreements in modern day culture that it makes that kind of impossible. Like back when, in this late 1700s, if we want to stick with this time period, families raised families together. So like your neighbor was also a part of your family. That's how things worked. People depended on other people and they relied on their community and their community relied on them. It was very give and take and things aren't like that anymore. So, I mean, yeah, it still has a big part to do with it. 
But as a kid who grew up a certain way, who grew up with loose morals, but the idea of morals and morals that I valued and stuck to even at a young age, um, sorry, um, it was really hard being like one of the very few kids that that believed in those types of things. So sure. as a whole, it's possible and it is better that way, in my opinion, but you lack the community essence. Okay, but I'm I'm gonna push you. What you're describing is culture. It's not morality. You I guess you touched on morals from from your family and things like that, but the the child rearing and the creating this type of environment and, and social uh, atmosphere, that's culture. And culture is derived from morality, but but they're not synonymous. So culture is created and and it used to be like what you're explaining due to the fact that they all had an alignment with what they believe was moral right right but cultural cultural beliefs and cultural ways and culture as a whole kind of as we have seen and talked about destroys morals if it goes wrong but still no right. matter no matter what culture either stays the way it is, changes in a bad direction, or changes into a good direction, because first, the morals of the people in the culture shift. So we still, we're still basically, we're talking about, you're talking about the injury that happens because of the event. I want to talk about the event. I want to talk about the morals. Because you're you're 100% right, in my view, you're 100% right. But that's not the problem. That's the consequence. The problem is that those people, first individually and then as a culture, as a society, began to adopt morals that were not good. And then they, they, they reaped consequences due to that. So how did those families, how did these communities or cultures that function well, that function in a way that is productive, and where people flourish and where society and the economy and everything runs well, how do we get people to a moral place where they're all in agreement so that that is possible? For example, we live again, like Drew and I were talking about, in a current culture where stealing is, is not only not really immoral, but it's not even a crime. You, you're in many places, you don't go to jail for it anymore. And there, mm -hmm. there's other things like that. It didn't used to be like that. So what changed? Did culture change? Yes. But why? Because the morals died. Because all of a sudden, society said stealing is not immoral. Therefore, now we see stealing at an all-time high. So how do we get a society that is culturally, I'm sorry, excuse me, that is morally cohesive again? How do we get everybody to agree that stealing is wrong? Because that's, I mean, that's the problem. That definitely starts within the home. The problem is, is that the home life, the, the structure of one's home as a family unit has deteriorated since what, like the 60s? But technically? Why? why? Because of culture. But you're, you're culture. still you're still and like you're still at the front of the building. <laughs> do you get do you get what I'm saying? So yeah, I I and again I agree with you guys. I totally, totally agree with you guys. I'm just I'm philosophically pushing you. We because you're you're right, but culture impacts the family 
and many families impact and create the culture, but you still, none of that is worth talking about. If you don't figure out why is that happening? Why did all of a sudden families start not teaching their children that stealing was wrong? Well, because culture, because society at large. So families within a city, within a state, within a country, top down, bottom down, doesn't really matter. It's, it's a disease that has spread where now nobody believes. I mean, obviously people do, but where a lot of people don't believe that stealing is wrong. But, but why? You still have to go backwards. Because We're... of godliness, because of lack of structure, because of lack of community, because of lack of teaching, because of lack of morals. Yeah. So, so how do we get there? How do, how do we create a moral framework in America again so that the states have good morals, which will cause the cities to have good morals, which will cause the individual families again to have good morals? That's that's the problem. And that's the hard as hell question is how do you get I'm, everybody back in agreement with that? If right now our society says morals are whatever the hell we want them to be. I mean, there's a lot of good ideas and suggestions to make, but they're all very unrealistic. Like if you want the politicians to be um, like the state, not politicians, because that's. I don't want to go down that path because it'll be dirty, but <laughs> I'm trying to be careful because I know you're on YouTube. <laughs> so let me think. <laughs> um, you know, there's, it just, it would be in incredibly difficult for any of that sense of the world and culture and family units and et cetera to be present again, because half the population is more awake than ever. And they have a, an incredibly hard time believing anything. It doesn't matter what kind of guidance and structure they're seeking religiously. It's still hard to believe because we've been force fed so many lies throughout all of our lives. And the rest of the people either believe in something and like have a faith of some kind or they don't. So it's like it's just a very large jumble mess of like, how do we all agree that stealing is wrong and that committing whatever crime you want to list is not OK? Because like you can't because nobody trusts anybody. Nobody trusts information anymore. And in a lot of cases, rightfully so. But if you are looking up to the state, literally to guide you, like you're going to fail. You're just going to fail because they're influenced not by morals. They're influenced by money and corporations and cartels and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's like it's an impossible thing. I have no idea what the correct answer would be as to how do we fix that, because there's it's just it's not going to happen realistically. And I know that sounds incredibly super negative, but like seriously, realistically, we're not going to get it from anybody above us. We're going to get it from each other. And hopefully through churches that are reliable and trustworthy and honest and don't sugarcoat every little thing and take the Bible out of context. Like that was my issue with Christianity, like my entire life is that it's all floofy. And like, how am I supposed to believe any of that? Like, come on realistically yeah and from being with you and actually learning what the bible is saying or depicting or trying to say because it's not like everything is so clear and evident right some things don't really make a whole lot of sense and it's totally up for speculation it's opened my eyes a whole lot but other people aren't willing and i understand why a lot of them aren't willing so it's just again 
I just think what it really comes down to is because it's on such a small scale in our worlds as normal people is to just practice what you preach, right? And try to influence other parents, you know, in a positive way and not like how we talked about within modesty and dirty churches and yada, 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 where we're all like, oh my God, I can't believe she's dressed like that. Like she must work on the street corner. You know, that's, that's ridiculous. And you're not going to hell because your shorts are too short. Like don't influence like that. That's yeah. not the right way. That has never once ever worked. Like, let's be honest. In fact, those types of pressuring people, those types of, <clears throat> you know, efforts have only ever backfired. That's all it's ever done. And if it wasn't backfiring in like a super hardcore negative way, such as like, you know, acting out and rebelling, then it was detrimental to one's health. So doing it like that isn't the answer. But I think the answer is fundamentally to just do what you can in your own little world. Because at some point, if enough people do that, it will make a difference. But I think trying to look up to the state for answers is a lost cause. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. And you know, I'm pretty pessimistic too. So when, when we have these talks, I'm, I'm obviously speaking very optimistically and more ideal, idealistically, but I guess it's no matter how you kind of shake it. Cause again, like you're right, but even within our small circles, you know, you and I and Zaya with other families, with kids in our area, how do we get everybody on the same page? If we don't agree on morals, you can't. And so then how do you change culture? You you can't. You so can't. it all stems back to this, this same impossible problem of everybody needs to be functioning within an, an either identical or very, very similar moral framework. So again, take it, taking it back to something like the 10 commandments, because I think it's, it's a great representation of, my opinion, and now we have two people here that weren't here before, is which is that if we implemented biblical morals only, no Jesus, no Yahweh, no the Apostle Paul, nothing else, just the moral the moral framework within the Bible, what what Jesus taught, having nothing to do with who he was what God put out in the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament without anything to do with God, specifically under the name of Yahweh. You have almost half of the Ten Commandments that are religious. They have to do with God. So take them out. But something like honoring your father and your mother. Is there any culture that would suffer a negative consequence if children honored their father and their mother? No. Is there any culture that would suffer a negative consequence from murder, adultery, so breaking of families, stealing, lying about your neighbor in court, or being jealous, which has caused many murders in relationships? Is there anything negative any society could ever experience if we all agreed on that moral framework? No. No. So take, take all the specifics of religion off the table. But keep the moral framework within the Bible specifically. And you have a framework that then everything all you guys are saying would then be possible. Because without that, agreed, everything you guys are saying is a pipe dream. It's never going to happen because there's no cohesiveness between what people believe is right and wrong. 
And that's like my biggest gripe with with anything really that we talk about ever is that morality has been completely bastardized and wrecked. And now it's it's primarily agreed upon in our society and in our culture that morality is subjective to the government, which is subjective to the people who vote them in. So it's subjective to all these different beliefs and ideas and different religions and different backgrounds and histories and this and that and this. There's no way to have a cohesive society that functions that way. It will, and, and if you look all throughout history, even within a Christian framework specifically, the minute Christians started taking what was a fundamental base of agreement and adding things and taking things out and put their own twist on it, you saw the church as a system, as a culture, become absolute trash. There was no cohesiveness. There was no community. There was, there was nothing that bonded them together, that they all agreed on, this is right, this is wrong. This is godly within a Christian context, and this is not godly. Even, so even within a religious culture, we've seen it all throughout history, just die and die and die and die due to subjectivity. People's opinions being more important than in a Christian context what God said very plainly is right and wrong. And the ironic thing is whether you're religious or Christian or not, if we functioned off of a biblical moral framework, the world would be an absolutely beautiful place. Charity would be off the hook. People helping each other would be, it'd be, it'd be hard to find someone to help because somebody would have already helped them. Like society would be so, it would be functioning so productively and so sacrificially that it would, I just, I couldn't even imagine a society that truly functioned off of a biblical standard. Even if you took God out of it, God specifically Yahweh out of it, it would be such a beautiful society of people just loving and helping each other. It's, it's a, it's a wild thing. Sorry, I just rambled again. <laughs> um, here, Kat, I'll throw this at you though, because. I think you'll identify with this and you don't need to specify why. But Mystic said, uh, I think the elites and CEOs in America have been held, have, have to be held to a higher standard of morality, especially in their ethics of their business, because a trend now is to steal from big corporations, quote, if it's a chain, it's free reign because they're, ex oh, sorry, because they exploit their workers and the environment. I want to say one thing, and then I want to hear what you have to say about this. Morality is morality, mystic, in my opinion. Everybody should be held to the same morality because there are not levels to morality. Something is either right or something is wrong. So, yeah, they should be held to that moral and ethic standard. But I, I, don't, I personally don't think it should be any more or less than anybody else. They're just more in the spotlight. And the only way I guess I would kind of justify where you're saying is that more people see how they're held accountable or how they're not. So it's going to trickle down and affect more people in a negative way if we don't hold them accountable. But it's still not to a higher level. It's just that we need to hold them accountable at all. And we don't. Like Nancy Pelosi with her stock trading. She needs to be held accountable. Because otherwise, why wouldn't everybody just sit inside trade? But Kat, what do you, I guess, what do you think about that? That the elites and the CEOs in America have to be held to a higher standard of morality and business ethics due to the fact that people are looking at them being unethical and justifying stealing from them because of that. 
I mean, absolutely. 110%. I mean, it, it really, other than it starting with the family, it also starts from the top. But the thing that we can control is our level. We cannot control the higher ups. And I mean, we've tried so many times, but the only real way to do that is to completely, uh, I don't want to say it because you're on YouTube, but to start over, to well, start re over. Reset? Reset, but not the, <laughs> the fantastic the Schwab. reset. <laughs> yeah. All right, well, we, we you, can. You can uh, actually say one, it. Yeah, they, they've loosened up. You can say it. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I agree. I agree. Mystic said, yeah, that's true. But I mean that the general public always looks up to someone for direction. Yeah, that's that's why part of me does agree with what you're saying. But I guess maybe it's just mm -hmm. the word higher moral standard that I kind of took issue with. They should just they should be we should hold them to the to the moral standard because they are in public light. So they should they should because, have examples made out of them. And like they're making laws for us but they don't follow them for one and for yeah. two it's not for them like even if they make laws that would like apprehend them from doing a b or c they're still going to do it what does that say to everybody else like there's a ton of i mean just just research a 2008 crash man all of that was was a complete setup people taking advantage and playing the game but dirty 110 percent dirty that's why what happened happens yeah. That was done because the government was doing it. The government always has done it. So they caught on to that and were like, well, why are we doing this? And then look what happened. People were literally betting on other people's houses. Yeah. I don't know how many people actually know the in-depth story. Um, not the one that we're told, but the thing that actually happened. That is what happened. That is why people lost their houses. It is the same thing as... It, I mean, it's not the same thing, but it's very similar to private prisons being publicly traded. Like we have evidence now that rappers, even in the 90s, specifically in the 90s, were um, contacted and said, OK, well, you can choose to put money in this stock or that stock or whatever, because your music is going to perpetuate violence and crime. So you get to take part of the repercussions, the good repercussions and make money from that as well as make money from your music. It's the same thing. Like it's it's the same exact thing. So because of all of that, our we people lost their houses, people lost their livelihoods, people committed uh unaliving acts, people like everybody lost everything. Every little thing. It was absolutely horrendous. And even as a kid during that time period, I kind of understood what was going on. It, it was scary. And then you have the same thing with the private prisons. Like that's the same thing. You're betting on people's lives. You're influencing the public. And of course, like in, in poverty-ridden communities, it's going to hit them the hardest because they're justifying it, right? Because the people that they look up to, whether it's musicians or politicians or whatever guidance that it is that they seek, that they find any kind of sustenance in, that like they make excuses to be like, okay, well, if they're doing it, I'm going to do it too. It's, it's the monkey see, monkey do thing. Like that's what happens. Yeah. So should they be held to a high standard? Yeah. Should they be held to a higher standard? I mean, like to a point, maybe like a schmidgen more because like they have the power and control. So like, yeah, they, no, they shouldn't be, you know, making all these trades that nobody else could make without facing federal prison time. First of all, that's not fair. You that's mean not a higher right. standard in punishment? And that too. I, but I agree not, with that. Not to like a horrible degree and not like life in prison because of insider trading or whatever, but no, like, no. yes. 
Yes, make an example out of them. Yeah. Because they're the ones leading the country, but where are they leading it? Not in the right direction. Yeah. I guess part part of my whole point with taking issue with what she said was that the the whole idea of morality is that there there aren't levels to it. Like murder, if I do it, is this wrong? And murder, if Mystic does it, is this wrong? Like insider trading, if Nancy Pelosi does it, is this wrong? And if I do it, it's this wrong. Like morality is morality to me. There's no levels to it. There's no spectrum to it. Something is right or something is wrong. However, I do think that people who are in the public spotlight who have the the ability to affect more people negatively should be held to a higher standard. And I'll give you an example. Myself, I come on here. I blab and blab and blab. I tell people stuff. I tell like the tattoo video. We talked about that one time. And what if I lied? 2.5 million people watch that video. What if I lied? Like I should, I should be held to a higher standard in that I'm in the public light, but, and, and so in the, in the example of stock trading or something like that, yeah, maybe Nancy Pelosi should do some prison time, or maybe she should be on house arrest because she has, there are literal websites where I can shadow trade Nancy Pelosi, where mm-hmm. I can watch every trade she makes and I can make the same trade so that I benefit it from it. So what she's doing due to her public figure status can affect more people negatively. So maybe her consequence should differ, but but her breaking of moral rule is the same as anybody else. Whereas if Joe Schmo down the street trades illegally, like, yeah, slap him on the wrist first and see if he does it again. I agree. I agree. Okay, and then... Well, I guess, do you have anything else before Mystic threw some stuff out here that I think is worth touching on? Um, no, but I do want to say a few very much so unrelated things after this is all said and done with, as we discussed earlier this week. The last 10 minutes? Yes. Okay. All right. Well, uh, got you. So this guys, this is going to start at six and I I've got to shut it down by like seven 30 at the latest. Normally tonight we'll go a little bit later because a lot of you filed in late, but moving moving forward, I got to get some control back in my life. So it's going to start at six on Thursday. We'll go till between six and seven thirty, but at seven thirty, it's going to be a hard stop after after today. So if you're interested in being involved, you need to try to get here. Also, for those of you who filed in late, this is streaming to YouTube, not Rumble now. So please be mindful of what you say. Um, be mindful of terms of service. And uh, we're still very much trying to not swear. And I think I actually haven't sworn tonight, which is phenomenal. But uh, please just keep that in mind. It's streaming to just my normal YouTube channel. And then to watch the recordings of these, uh, youtube.com slash theist thesis. You can also click podcast here in Discord. And all those video, most of those videos come from the new YouTube channel where all these recordings are going. All right, Kat, I'm going to mute you. And then we'll bring you in the last 10. Mystic's just been dropping bombs. Socialism is cool. Uh, what was the other one? Something about God, you guys like blew this up. Where are the things Mystic's at? Oh, oh my God, we're almost to talking about the government putting stuff in our food again. And um, God, where is it? Mystic, you said something that I wanted to touch on. Ah, they're literally making laws with loopholes. Referring to CEOs, um, legislation being being geared towards. So within the government, you have this super corrupt 
legislative process where it's, yeah, it's just a money grab. So people literally just bribe people on the Senate and people on Congress. They give money in legal loophole ways where it's not technically a crime, but it's absolutely immoral that shift and change how they vote and what laws they pass and how they pass the laws. That's why you have all these politicians who will invest heavily in a company and then within a week they'll pass laws that benefit that company massively and that politician makes you know three hundred thousand dollars in a seven-day period you see it over and over and over and over again so yeah things like that should be punished and it's not that it's more immoral than if i did it but it's that they're in the public light and they're showing people that this is okay and this is something that we accept uh anybody who came in late do you want to jump in before we shut down? Because we're going to have to shut down within the next 20 minutes or so. And for anybody who came in late, too, we're, we're mostly talking about the separation of church and state, how the, the origin of that comes from Thomas Jefferson. He wrote a very short, very small sentence it's not in the Constitution, the separation of church and state. It never was in the Constitution. It got pulled in later in history from a letter that Thomas Jefferson wrote in 1802 that mentions the separation of church and state. And it was not to keep the state out of the, or I'm sorry, it was not to keep the church out of the government. It was to keep the government out of the church. It was meant to protect uh, religious systems. It was meant to protect the church from government interference. But now today, you have most of society that believes the separation of church and state was meant to keep religion out of government. That's not true. That's what it is now. That's not what it was when it came into effect. I'll post to Discord when we get off. I'll post it in the chat actually right here so you guys can read it the thing that i read at the beginning that has the whole history of kind of where it where it came from what it was intended to be and how how it shifted over time but anybody else who wants to come in otherwise we'll just go ahead and close it out for the night Ironically, Baptist preachers love to tell their congregations who to vote for. Oh, yeah, we didn't talk about that. That was one of the other ones that Mystic brought up, too. Um, yes, this, this. So I'll, I'll tell you guys this, and I've told this story before, so some of you have already heard it. When I first moved to Chicago, I was in the process of planting a church. I was working with one of the, I think it's actually the biggest church planting organization in the United States. We had funding. We had a startup staff. We were looking for a location, and I was going through the paperwork to get everything rolling. We we're going to plant a church in northern Chicago. So as we go through this process, I'm doing the paperwork. We get to a point where it's some of the legal documents that express that I am not allowed to say certain things about, I'll, say, I'll just say, I'll say, be very smart with how I say it. I'll be very thoughtful with how I say it. I wasn't allowed to talk about certain things that had to do with the government, and one of them actually has to do with that that you're you're not to influence the congregation in any way to vote a specific way but that that was a very small part of it but that was a part of it 
that was actually what caused me, not that part, but the, the part where I was told what I can talk about and what I can't talk about. And part of it was just that I was not allowed to be honest. I was not allowed to, to, to speak and teach the way that I do. That's why I pulled out. We canceled the entire thing. The, the staff that was planning on coming down the line didn't. The entire process was shut because of that. So, so yes, there's absolute validity to the concept that pastors of churches are not supposed to influence congregants to vote a certain way. Directly. Directly. You can talk about politics to a very small degree. Very, very small degree. So you try, you try to get me to move to Chicago to open a church years ago. Jeez, I'm glad I didn't do it. If anybody would have come, we would have done it. We just wouldn't have done it with the backing of the the organization that I'm not going to name. And again, we've talked about. I'm I'm real close to to planning a church again. I just I need some local people who I genuinely trust to get this thing rolling again. I remember back in 09, my pastor called Obama the Antichrist. Yeah, you heard that a lot. Uh, Jeremiah, let me pop you in. Anybody else who wants in? Local as in Chicago, Drew. I'm trapped here, man. I can't go anywhere. I can't go anywhere. Jeremiah, you're unmuted. You got to unmute yourself. All righty. Hi. This message is actually for Miss Cat, who's conveniently located right above me. Wait, is this is this the surprise? Yeah, is this the is this random time or is this no, something that we're uh... save it? Let's because we had like half the group now just came in. So I'm going to give everybody like 10, 15 more minutes and then we'll do the last 10 because I'm super excited for that. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. I'm super excited, too. I, I, you know what? If you could unmute her for that one, too, because I, yes. I'd like for her to. Yes. Yes. All yes. right. Excellent. All right, Excellent. Cool. I'm muting this. All right. Last chance. Last chance. Anybody who wants to get in. And then the last 10 minutes is a free a free for all now. So something that doesn't have to do with the actual topic that we're here to talk about. Uh, I got you unmuting you now. All right. Now you just need to unmute yourself. Rodriguez. There you go. You're in. Okay. Um, I'm so sorry. I'm late. I'm always late. I know that. So I know. I know. <laughs> um, so basically we're talking about, like, I get the separation church of state, but you're saying, like, how do we get our morals back into society, right? Yeah, so my primary point very, very quickly was that it's it's not possible to implement just one religious system into a culture because of because not everybody's Christian or not everybody's Muslim, whatever. But it, it would cool. be possible to take the moral structure of religion because yeah. most mainstream religions share a moral structure, murder, sexual abuse, hurting children, things like that, stealing, right. adultery. We all agree on those things. So even if we just took the moral framework, no, right. no Jesus, no Yahweh, no Muhammad, no Hindu gods, just the framework in, then we would all at least be on the same page without any specifics of the religion, no theology in. Right. So, yeah, on that, I do know that, um, I know it sounds really cliche to say this, but I will say that back in like 2017, um, my kids and I, we had a system where we would pray for the government every Thursday. Uh. Um, 
And I remember one day I said, um, and this is not to offend anybody or whatever, okay? But I do remember saying, hey, I really feel like we should be praying against any ungodly laws and unjust rulings, um, specifically for Roe v. Wade to be overturned. I'll never forget those were my exact words. Yeah. Um, and again, I know there's extreme situations where I'm just saying what what I felt. And I remember my kids like looked at me and they're like, Mom, that's not possible. That's never gonna I was like, <laughs> look, I'll I get it. And my daughter was like, it's been around since the 70s. I was like, I know, but that's what I feel led to pray. And I remember when everything happened last year, I called up, you know, my oldest I was like, hey, and I was like, do you remember? You said, <laughs> yeah, mom, I do. And she's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And I, I mean, I couldn't believe it. I felt like it was more obedience. Um, and again, I know it sounds cliche, but prayer does work. Yeah. Um, I will say, though, and I think I had mentioned it on I think it was Instagram before. Um, the, the problem that I have a lot is when we try to push theocracy and our democracy. Um, it's not the same. It's a totally different, you know, playbook. And I feel like if we're just using abortion for an example, if we're trying to go that route, like picketing and throwing up Bible verses isn't actually helping. Um, and I feel like, okay, kind of like what you were saying with morality, murder is wrong, right? Doesn't matter if it's a theocracy, de democracy, whatever, it's mm -hmm. wrong. We all know that. So I think that on that note, in that in that way, we would have to go that right route again, play by the democracy rules. So I would just kind of challenge Christians to kind of take approach of forcing the government to define when life begins. And I know there's different laws that you can kind of bounce off of, like if a woman is pregnant and killed in a car accident, I believe it's a double homicide. It's my understanding in some states. So there's certain things around it. Um, I don't even know if I'm making sense. No, you're totally making sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, this is just where we're at and we have to play by those rules. Um, so, yeah, again, I know it sounds cliche, but but prayer and. Um, yeah, play by the rules. Let me let me ask you one question, then I think it was before before you got here. So we have. We have politicians who campaign on their religious framework, right? You have even even some that, in my personal opinion, are silly, like Joe Biden saying he's Catholic and Nancy Pelosi saying she's Catholic, even though she's literally been kicked out of Catholic churches and has been told she cannot take communion because she's oh. not a Catholic. Uh, but we have politicians campaigning on their religious views and framework and then at the same time, we have a big push in the political system to tell politicians they can't they can't vote or be in any office of any kind, making making choices or changes based on their religious beliefs when they were elected mostly or at least to a large degree based on their religious beliefs. Right. Most Christians are going to vote for somebody who aligns with what they believe. Take your example of abortion. I would never vote for any politician who did not see abortion how I see it because it's life. And in the, in the same way, somebody who, you know, as an extreme example, said 
I, I think murder should be a 10 year sentence and then they should get a different or a second chance. I would never vote for that politician. So is there any, is there any actual real way to have politicians in a country who don't do their political duty from their religious views? Or is that kind of a silly, illogical idea? Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I hear that. And I actually have a friend who moved to a different state and ran for office um, based off of her her religious views. Uh, I would never vote for her, but... <laughs> um, I mean, it just sounds discriminatory. Towards, like, the Christian? Or... Yeah, okay. or non or whatever like i mean that's kind of i yeah it, that just, just doesn't really make sense i'm not a fan of certain pastor of it being like reverse where certain pastors are like endorsing a politician or or pushing a politician that's you know disgusting but um yeah i mean it, it's just a form of discrimination that's like saying well i won't i won't go there but <laughs> yeah yeah. Okay. I was just, I was just curious. All right. You have uh, anything else on this? I don't think so. Okay. Um, let me, let me say one thing. Yeah. Um, my kids go to a, a private Christian school and I will say, um, like, oh, I don't want to go there with this topic, but, um, like the area with, um, in Nashville where there was the shooting. Mm-hmm. Remember kind of, thinking like, oh, my kid's fine. They go to private Christian school and it's fine. It's fine. Those things don't happen. But then when Nashville happened, it kind of, you know, freaked me out a little bit. And I felt like the person was targeting Christians. Yeah. And I did become afraid because one of the board members of the school actually also ran for office and was a very proud right wing extremist you know says the election was stolen and all of that and it just sucks because i'm not any part of that at all and i don't know just to have the thought kind of cross my mind of like oh shit would my kid be a target because this guy came from here do you know what i'm saying um so i think yeah i just get concerned about accessible accessibility to these people and their safety um I don't know if that makes any sense, but. Um, the Christians being targeted made sense. But what what is the guy you're calling right wing extreme have to do with it? He's actually part of the board of the school. I guess I'm still like kind of missing the connect. Maybe I'm just being dumb right now. But what what's no, no. the connection? Like, I, I get so he's I'm, on the board, but why does that have anything to do with it? So my concern is like out of. um you know, being angry at, at Christians or being angry at this politician, if they go in, you know what I'm saying, and try to shoot up the school, that it would be at my kid's expense. Because the politician? Right, because he's he's also on the board at, at the school slash church. It's like two in one. And does that make sense? No. Why, why would the politician shoot up the school? No, 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 no. They would shoot because of the politician is what I'm oh, saying. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. But, but yeah, I mean, I guess I get that concern, but you you could kind of extrapolate that to anything, though. 
I mean, it's kind of kind of a stretch if you're comparing it to to what happened, like the kids being shot and the teachers being shot. I mean, if they wanted to target the guy on the board, they could definitely target the guy on the board. But if they what it seemed like and they they still refuse to to release the manifesto and it's probably because it proves that it was directed at Christians. But it seemed like the, the, the individual just wanted to go kill some kids at a Christian school. Which I mean, we're we're gonna see more of it. Is the is the sad thing and to say? My point. Yeah. That's exact. But I think you'd have that risk regardless of whether the dude thought the election was stolen and was a right wing guy. You know, I don't I don't know if it correlates. Like if they if they wanted to target him, they'd probably target him. No, not the innocent I, children running around the school. Like what does that do to him? Nothing. Same thing with the shooter in Nashville, though, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. But I do know the board member also has kids that go to the school or did have kids. I can't remember if they graduated or not, but I, I don't know. You just it just makes me think of things a little bit differently, I guess, yeah. is all. No, I mean, I, I get that for sure. It's a, it's a it's a scary thing, especially when you see Christians literally being persecuted in other countries, kind of becoming a little bit heavier than it used to be. And now in, in the U.S., it's at least something that's being talked about. And then you have. You have this this thing being pushed from without getting political, getting pushed from certain people uh, about Christian nationalism and kind of putting anybody, anybody who's a Christian into this category, whether they're on the right or the left, which is dangerous when I believe the intention is to kind of put extremists, quote unquote, from one side into that category. But it's it's not what we're seeing. We're, we're seeing that label being applied to Christians at large which is right. not dangerous in definition because Christian nationalism isn't actually a bad thing, but dangerous in what this group of people that are doing it are what their definition uh, kind of insinuates is that Christians are going to become violent and politically violent at that. It's a, it's a scary thing that Christians are seeming to kind of come into focus as a target in in more than more than one way yeah we don't even all agree no yeah we definitely don't and that's okay right that's yeah i guess that's it sorry that's it yeah all right anybody else uh actual last chance and then we'll uh we'll let jeremiah tell cat something that's gonna break her heart and then we'll close out for the night Got 10 seconds to let me know. 7.45 anyways. So actually, uh, Jeremiah, you're in. Kat, you're in. And then we'll close out with this. All righty. One thing I do want to say is um, I think one thing that does help is a very open and honest discussion similar to what we have here. Yes. This is good. You know, as uh, as being your favorite Jew muffin, thank you for not excluding me from the group, for, for not excluding me from the group, just because you know my beliefs are somewhat different than y'all's. Um, but moving forward, like a sort of like a real quick example, uh, it's kind of like when uh, Richard Dawkins, the uh, I don't know if anybody here is familiar with him or if you are, Joe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I thought it was very interesting when he was in New York for something and he wound up going to an Orthodox Jewish school and had a conversation with the head rabbi about 
why because he was interested in the fact that they were they were getting taught evolution in schools and they sat down for about 30 minutes and had an actual conversation about it which i found to be completely interesting that's awesome yeah yeah and so you know just one of those things that i feel like a healthy discussion amongst separate minds is good yes 100 percent. yeah but um anyhow miss cat um i was told uh by your husband here that uh You'd wanted to hear about my that you would love to hear about my experience driving a multi-million dollar warship to the Bermuda Triangle. Yes. I didn't hear <laughs> that part, but I'm even more excited now. Yeah, no. So um back in 2019 when we had a giant hurricane coming along, uh coming up the East Coast, um, essentially they pretty much uh they told us we're not hunkering down, we have to drive out to the middle of the Atlantic to outrun this hurricane. So in the midst of driving a multi-million dollar warship through the hurricane, uh, we wound up uh, driving through the Bermuda Triangle. And, yo, let me tell you about the Bermuda Triangle, Kat. You ready? I'm ready. Nothing happened. No, I wasn't ready. Take it back. No, nothing happened. It was the most anticlimactic thing of my life. Like looking up at the <laughs> looking up at the radars and it's like, are we in the Bermuda Triangle? And Nav was, the navigation <laughs> officer was like, yep. But I like, was like of it or outskirts <laughs> what uh from the middle of it to from the outskirts to the middle back to the outskirts because i'm out running a hurricane you know i mean keep in mind we're doing this while driving through you know 12 13 foot swells and we're we're moving we have to move diagonally because the ship that i was on was a cruiser at the time and we can only take a maximum of 16 foot waves crashing along the sides of it because anything above that causes this warship to uh capsize and tip over that's hilarious <laughs> yeah I mean, like, exactly GPS, so, like calibrated you know did y'all check that i was it's, like you know you could have been I was, 75 I, was miles turn. off right you know it was my turn to be on the helm at this hour and like i was expecting engineering casualties i was experiencing like i was ready for my autopilot to fail and have to steer the ship manually no nothing happened i didn't lose steering um just had fun navigating through you know really really rough seas which is my favorite time to drive honestly but not, nothing happened i'm sad to say uh it was oh. almost as anticlimactic as single whale for the first time <laughs> you know like oh, i thought i was gonna see some free willy type stuff where like the whale was gonna jump out the water and we were gonna make eye contact he was gonna be like hey what's up man oh, no like they they told like my my uh, my radar guys called me and just said hey look over at this coordinates do you see anything uh, i'm seeing a whale i need to know if you see it because you know if you hit a if you hit a whale that's actually a huge fine and you get into a lot of tr you get into a lot of uh international trouble if you run right. over a whale so um <laughs> you, you know when when whales pop up on the radars we have to do everything we can to avoid them and uh turtles Oh, because the, the giant sea turtles down in the South Florida waters, they can actually puncture a, a hole in the hull of the ship. Yes. Yeah. Um, but anyhow, I I'm looking and I just see a whale just shoot water out of its blowhole. And, and that was my first time seeing a whale. But <laughs> my God. Yeah. OK, I, I mean, I, I have some things. I mean, I will say this, though, uh, driving through the Bermuda area, though, I did find the end of a rainbow, so that was cool. That's but <laughs> aside from that, though, yeah, nothing happened, and it was honestly very, very disappointing. I'm <laughs> sorry to say. That's so sad. Yeah. So, we... um, two, two things. 
this, this is super ironic and totally obviously not done on purpose, but literally, I'm looking at it right now. 12 hours ago, I shared a picture of a tweet on Facebook, and the tweet says as follows. I wonder when the Bermuda Triangle stopped working. Not a lot of drama there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> the second yep. thing is, do you believe in any of the stories that are told regarding the Bermuda Triangle? Or were there any of your shipmates that had stories or, you know, so, anything like that? You know, when you're out running a hurricane, it's one of the most stressful times where the ship is yeah. rocking so hard. Um, literally we're driving, you know, the top side of the ship is secured, things like that. You know, everybody's chain smoking and doing things <laughs> like that because everybody's just stressed out. Like literally like we're, we can't buy Red Bull fast enough, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, so I think at a certain point, I think we were more, uh, I think we were more afraid about seeing the hat man and the ghost of the gunslinger. <laughs> <laughs> Um, because my, my ship's nickname was the gunslingers and, oh. um, there, there was always a rumor that there was a haunted spirit. And like, I swear to God, it woke, like, he was really cool though. He woke you up if you were late for watch. Oh my God. So, <laughs> you know, like I've had some, I felt, a, I felt a grown man touch me and whisper in my ear, Hey bro, get up. You're late for watch. And oh, as I oh. shoot out of bed and get up, I'm looking around. I was like, wait, there's nobody here. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. That's cool. Yeah. So the ghost of the gunslinger was really chill, you know. <laughs> but aside from that, no, I think uh, I think I was more afraid of uh, either seeing the hat man or bumping into one of my higher ups who escaped communism. <laughs> yeah, him, him and his family came came here from Cuba on a raft when he was like eight. Oh, wow. Oh, my God. That's yeah. Wild. So I think I was more concerned about bumping into him than I was about, you know, any kind of uh, any kind of thing happening with the Bermuda. But that thing broke. Thank Jeez. God needs to fix it. <laughs> Jeez, Louise. But but my honest to my my honest to God um, thing about what potentially might have happened, though, is the magnet uh, magnetics. They shift. And I think just after a certain amount of time, the magnetics shift and then that that's that it stopped ruining people's radars and whatnot <laughs> right. true north and magnetic north are two different types of north yeah mm -hmm. and uh, i think at a certain point maybe the you know it caused people's stuff to to you know spaz out but nowadays it's fairly fairly calming interesting yeah but do just you believe like, in the past stories do i believe in the past stories yeah um like maybe not fully but like is there said, anything my, you that my, is my, my, thoughts have, my thoughts have always been just that uh you know with the with the magnetic poles shifting i think that there is the potential that that might have been a reason why but i think at some point the earth's magnetic field just shifted away from it yeah that would make sense yeah that that's at least my thoughts in theory. I do believe at one point maybe the the Bermuda Triangle might have been something, you know, with some substance at it. But you know, you know, with the, after with a certain the, time, it just kind of faded out with everything else. Yeah, yeah. Either either that or just like with uh, Miss Rodriguez said, prayer works. So yeah. Apparently, I don't know. Well, maybe it moved. This... Hmm. Maybe it moved. Maybe it's. Uh... Mm. That is miles the thing. West or something. 
Maybe, maybe. I don't, know. I don't want to get hopeful. It's not something to be hopeful about, but I mean, you know what? Though? I'm there is disappointed. A, <laughs> there is a shift there. I mean, there is like the graveyard ships or the, what is it? Mm-hmm. The ship graveyard. Yeah. A few other places. Uh, you know, I know that, uh, you know, I think one of the funner conspiracies to uh, get behind is uh, the buried treasure that the Freemasons buried. Mm, you know, classic. I think that's more of a funner one to get behind. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah. There, there is a rumor though that it's in Canada. I'm just saying. Yeah. A vacation. Yeah. I mean, Group vacation so, so, treasure hunt. Real, real quick, I do want to say though that it's uh, allegedly was buried in a place where underwater caves are only accessible during low tide. Oh God! So if you get lost in the caves, then you're done. Y- you're done. Yeah, you're yeah. done goofed. And uh, yeah. there's no proof that th- there's no proof that there was ever any real treasure buried, but there's also no proof that it hasn't been founded either. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Well. Someday. So you know. So if anybody wants to help me steal the Declaration of Independence or anything like that, please by all <laughs> means. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Uh, all yeah, right. but aside from that, I don't have anything else. So if you guys want to go ahead and close out with prayer. Yeah, let's do it. It's yeah. late. Please, please pray you. for my wife that she doesn't die. Um, I keep telling her she's not dying. She just can't think of anything else to do. What? Is she okay? I said, I, I'm sorry. No, she just, she keeps acting like she's dying. Oh, Shannon, don't act like you're dying. Exactly. Don't like, scare I, your, like, your beautiful husband. She, she looked at me earlier. She was like, I'm dying. And my response was, <laughs> you're not dying. You just, you just can't think of anything else better to do. That's fair. Fair enough. Exactly. Fair enough. Relatable. All right. I'm going to meet you guys. Let's pray. Let's get out of here. <laughs> Mystic, I love the quote. There are a lot of good quotes. We need to we need to make a thread and compile all the good quotes from these streams. So we have them from now until forever. Amen. All right. God, thank you for giving us the ability to do this at all. It's 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 honestly a very amazing thing that no matter where we live, no matter where we are, no matter really our status or occupation or where we're at in life, we have this wild ability to gather together, to do church, to have these conversations and specifically on nights like tonight that we can have people who don't necessarily agree on everything, be in one place, have a deep, intellectual, serious and meaningful conversation about something that matters. This this issue is, is important, but the issue really stems out into a bunch of different issues that our country is dealing with, that the world is dealing with, and that individuals on an individual level are all dealing with. So it's really amazing that we're able to do this. I feel very grateful for all of the people who are here and the people that continue to join and that this is continuing to grow slowly but surely. We seem to be attracting just amazing people that are adding such phenomenal value to what we're doing and to these conversations. And I'm, I just, I really, really appreciate that. I'm very grateful for everybody here. God, we want to pray for culture. We want to pray for society. We want to pray for families in general. We talked about tonight that morality takes root in the family and then stems from there into cities, into states, into countries. We need strong families. We need strong moms. We need strong dads. We need strong kids. And then we need them to be so strong that they can go out into the world and continue to perpetuate 
your morality. Your morality is objective. It's never changing. It's very static. It is timeless. I pray that our country can move back towards some kind, some variation of a timeless morality, even if it's not perfect, something that is better than what we have right now. I pray that everybody in this group gains more confidence in taking what what we all learn together, what we all what we're all doing here together out into their daily life, out into social media when they're on there and out just into the general world. Be kind to people. Teach somebody something. Have a deep conversation like this with somebody else. More than anything, I pray that this group over other people, over other groups, other over our culture, that this group has the ability to do what we're doing tonight, where no matter whether we agree or disagree with somebody, that we can have a respectful, coherent conversation with them, because that is not what we're seeing within our culture or our country. We're seeing fighting, we're seeing arguments, we're seeing illogical speaking to one another, we're seeing anger. Let that die. Let people here take this good-spirited need for conversation about these issues out into the world, out into their family, and let it roll from there. I pray this all in Jesus' name. Also, please let Shannon not die because we love Shannon.